I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Hey everybody, uh, Jeremy here, Taylor, and Brian, all three of us. Uh, we are, uh, before we get to our episode today, there's a couple things that we wanted to plug. Um, tomorrow, December 1st, uh, at 2pm, oh fuck, I should, fuck, <laughs> fuck, <laughs> what's the fucking time of that thing? God damn it. <clears throat> Hi, everybody. Uh, before we get to today's episode, just want to plug a few things. Uh, this is Jeremy, and I'm... <laughs> you're here with uh, Taylor and I? Uh, yeah, you're two, <laughs> yeah. two co-hosts. Oh, All surprise. three. <laughs> Fuck sakes. No, that was good. Just, All right, here we go. <laughs> it's good when we have some banter. Okay. Banter's fun. Hey, everybody. Uh, just before we get to today's episode, the three of us wanted to plug a few things. Um, this coming uh, Tuesday, December 1st, uh, 2015, from 1 p.m. to 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, I'm going to be hosting what's called the CF Canada Holiday Hangout. Uh, it's the first annual, um, essentially, uh, Google Hangout broadcasted uh, fundraiser for CF Canada. The idea is, it's it, they're calling it Giving Tuesday, and uh, the idea behind it is is trying to raise $10,000 for CF Canada. Uh, so you can, you can tune into that live online uh head over to our facebook page uh to get the details or you can head over to cf canada's website and get the details there uh join in and uh yeah just watch me make an, uh, a, a fucking fool of myself in front of however many people uh, as i live host something like I'm seven terrible. like seven people that <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah i'm terrible yeah. live uh what else is going on brian uh well we were we were recently featured in the toronto star for the lung health awareness uh, day, week, month—I'm not quite sure, mm-hmm. but you know what? You can find out more as I'm going to do right after listening to this episode by going to sickboypodcast.com and checking out the link there, and you can head over to the Toronto Star article. Yeah, pick up the Toronto Star. If it's you're mostly in about Jeremy, so anything just about Jeremy that I don't really pay attention to. <laughs> yeah, it's not much. really anything of note. I didn't even listen to the Maui episode. Yeah. Oh yeah. God. Yeah. Uh, and on December 9th, 10th, and 11th, we're going to be in Toronto uh, for some really fun stuff. Jeremy's doing some work with CF Canada, and the three of us are going to be taking some meetings for some uh, some really cool stuff in the future, so hope to bring that your and way. And we're actually going to be recording two episodes while we're in the city. That's and right. we're going to be checking out the, the nightlife scene. That's right. Yeah, so that's if right. you see us in Toronto on the 9th and 10th of December... Walk up to us and cough in Brian's face. All right, on to the <laughs> on to the episode. Enjoy. This was a really great one. Uh, it comes from my cousin Deanne. She had colon cancer, and I love her to death. Such a sweetheart. Welcome to Sick Boy, a podcast where we talk about what it's like to be sick. Today's guest is Deanne Morris. She has colorectal cancer. Let's talk about it. So, Dan, uh, this is Taylor. Taylor. This is Brian. But you were both at the wedding, right? 
at Jeremy's wedding. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. I wasn't. I wasn't. You weren't there. Oh, yeah, no, you weren't. That's right. His yeah. twin brother was Dennis there. Was. Dennis was yeah. there. I was yeah. in the wedding party. That's right. Yeah. The wedding party. Yeah. I was pregnant at the time. Oh. Yeah. So With <laughs> number one? Number one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now you have two. Now I have two. Two kids. I just had a baby three months ago. Oh, wow. Congratulations. You look great. Thank you. My girl, anyway. my, part yeah. of cancer has been motivating to get like in the most amazing shape of my life because when your body threatens to fail you, you're like, no, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, uh, let's. I think that's a great segue into talking about why you're on the show today. Uh, so you mentioned cancer. Yes, I was diagnosed with stage three colon cancer in June of 2012. Stage three. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we've had a, a couple episodes actually ab- about cancer up until now. Um, and I we haven't yet touched on the different yeah, stages. We never, yeah, we never broke good, down the stage good thing. Good point. That's yeah. right. So I, I don't know. How, how bad is stage three? Uh, and I'm going to just speak to this in the most layman's terms because <laughs> yes, when, you do, for sure. <laughs> when you get into the Duke's scales of cancer stages, it gets really complicated. There's ABCs of each one, but okay. um, basically stage one is localized to the exact area that it occurred. Um, stage two has moved I think it's it's just refers to size or how much of that particular organ that his it has invaded. Okay. And then stage three means that it has moved beyond that particular organ into your lymph nodes. Okay. And then stage four is it's moved into the other surrounding organs or elsewhere in the body. Okay, so stage three then sounds like it can be pretty dangerous because then it has when once it's in your lymph nodes, it's it's, it's easier free for to go it to, wherever it's it wants to go. Around the body. Mm-hmm. Right. That's like this that's like the body's super highway. Mm-hmm. The lymph so, nodes. So tell us about when you when you found out. Um, like Taylor just Taylor's just <laughs> nodding at me like nice one. Like, yeah. Super highway. Yeah, thanks. Super highway. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Okay. Anyway, sorry, Brian. You asked a question. <laughs> were you guys not paying attention? Yeah, we were. We were just um, looking at each other, going, sorry. "Good one, bro." Still talking about <laughs> not, super highway. Not to, yeah. not, to, not to derail any further, but uh, I've heard uh, a few different people go. You know what, Brian. Brian does a really good job at, like at reining us in when you and I are like, <laughs> so anyway, guys, I just want to bring it back to <laughs> yeah. the question that how I was many just times asking. have I heard Brian say the words, okay, guys, but uh, just to bring it back. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, okay. Sorry. Bring I, it back, I, Brian. Please bring, bring it, back. Brian. Bring it back. So, so uh, anyway, um, tell us about when you found out that you first had cancer. Um, so actually when I first started having symptoms was during a very transitional time in our life. I had, um, I had just had a baby, my first, um, he was born in November and I, t- you know, I live in the States and we get like no maternity leave. So I took my allowed 12 weeks and I was supposed to go back to work. And two weeks before I was supposed to return to work, my husband found out that we were getting transferred from Raleigh, North Carolina to Atlanta. And, um, so I was ready getting the house together to go on the market and all that kind of stuff. And my child at the time was like four months old. And I, I've had reflux all my life. Uh, and after, I, me too. I, it is seriously in our family, big time. Holy all shit! Over What's reflux? Okay, so you said in our family, uh, we should probably, we should probably, okay, <laughs> so okay, right away. Just yeah. Before. Let's just before we get any further, we're related. Yes. <laughs> How are we related? Jeremy is my second cousin. Jeremy's mother is my mother's niece. That's right. So we we go back. We've got some history. I've known him since he was born. Aww. Are you from the States, though? No, no. I'm Canadian. 
But you have an I accent. Know, I know. She's got an accent. And I know. And I've, I've got some friends from North Carolina. I've been to Greensboro on a few different occasions, um, like through Raleigh. But um, you, yeah, I was about to say, like, you must be from. I thought I thought you were Canadian. Then I was like, oh, no, she's from the States. When I first moved down there, everyone I hung out with was American. And every time I said host or a boat, they were all like, oh. <laughs> So then you're like, oh, so God, no, I, better, I better start about. faking it. I know, yeah. right? But now you're not faking it because it's yeah. ingrained in you. Okay, so you're, but coming back you're to, getting the host. Yes. Co- co- coming back <laughs> to, to, to reflex. reflex. Yes. Yeah, re- reflex. reflex. Do you guys know? Do you know what that what have, reflex is? Uh, enlighten me. Yeah. It's awful. It's called GERD. Gastric esophageal reflux disease. Oh shit! Never heard of that before. Mm-hmm. That's cool. It's very common with CF patients. Acid reflux is like is very common with CF patients. And apparently, I didn't know this. I learned the other day that it can like really fuck up your lungs because you can get reflux that then sends it back into the lungs. And exactly, I always thought it was acid reflux. Reflux. I think. I think it's an F-L-U-X. I'm gonna have to be honest here too. I thought it was. A, I would have said the same thing, Taylor. Yeah, I thought it was. A, I thought it yeah. was like a, a reflex in your no. stomach or your, you know, whatever that track it's la- is. It's a lack of reflex. Uh, so, for, for you might know better than I do because I just. I hear things, doctors tell me things about my body and I go, mm-hmm, okay, and then I don't look into it. But from what I gather is it's that you're the the sphincter of your esophagus. Oh, you big have, words, you big have words. A, a sphincter in yeah. your esophagus? Yeah, you have many, I think you have a few, quite a few sphincters. Of, lots of sphincters. Lots that's, of sphincters. I'd have to say uh, that's the first time. I'm I've assuming that, that that's like a tightening muscle that like. Yeah, we're, well, it's we're like probably flat. we're probably going to talk about sphincter at least once. <laughs> this probably yeah, won't be the up. last time. But anyway, the old the sphincter, <laughs> yeah. This okay. Oh god! <laughs> oh god! <laughs> Jesus the old, Christ! The old balloon. Cut him off. I don't think that's Cut what that is. <laughs> Back to the esophageal. <laughs> yeah, your, eso- <laughs> your your esophagus sphincter doesn't have the the I guess the reflex to like close off properly, and so um, the the stomach acid. In your stomach, kind of like moves up your moves up your esophagus, and um, and it could be that your stomach is producing too much acid. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well. So okay. it's just like mad heartburn. But that is what that is when you I don't know. For me, it happens <laughs> like if I drink uh, like orange juice too fast, and then I feel and then I feel like burning in my throat after I like I like want to burp or something, and then it's like ugh. exactly yeah okay. probably. Probably no, probably not as serious as acid reflux. I but yeah. know, I know that. <laughs> I would. I oh, know no, that. I know acid reflux. I drink orange juice. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just trying to relate. Yeah, yeah, just no, no, no. Is that if you get that too often? Then that's that's yeah. Yeah. Okay, and okay. I would just check the date of the orange juice. Yeah, what kind of orange juice Dude, are you orange drinking, Orange juice is bro? acidic. Anyway, anyway, let's come back. So my reflux was acting up, and I went to my GI doctor to say my reflux is acting up, and she's like, "So well, what's a what's a GI doctor? Gastrointestinal, okay. like gastroenterologist." Okay, cool. Um, and so she said, "Well, you just had a baby." You're constipated, and chances are it's everything's getting backed up, and that's why your reflux is acting up. So oh, gross! Let's just things gross. are not moving through as fast as they should, and so, so acid is is food's getting stuck and, yeah. that, and building say, more acid. Huh, they said that's common then for it's common when you or? oh yeah constipation after having a baby is very common. And so she said, let's take out some heavy hitters for the constipation and get things moving. Mm-hmm. So I went home and got things moving, and <laughs> I noticed some blood in my stool, and I thought, well, that's probably because I was constipated, or I've got yeah, hemorrhoids yeah. now from being pregnant. Sure, with that, yeah, and that's a that's another thing. common yeah. thing. And wow. so this went on for a little while. Things Even were moving, body. and I remember probably about the 
middle of April or just past the middle of April, I, I looked in the toilet one day and I thought, that just doesn't look really normal. That doesn't look like blood from hemorrhoids or something like that. Mm. And I thought, well, we're moving to Atlanta. The movers are coming in two weeks. I'm going to have to deal with that later. So yeah. dismissed it. Oh, wow. Isn't it so funny that like we, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I feel like I'm now I'm about to speak for, for the general population, but I feel like if it happens to me, it must happen to almost everyone. Like something super fucked up or super like weird will happen with your body and you'll, you'll look at it and you'll be like, oh, that's not normal. But some for some reason in your head you're going, well, yeah, it could probably be, just it's probably, probably just the Mexican food I had last exactly. night or like whatever, and then yeah. do you, go to and then you leave, much you leave it alone. Yes, my, that's my husband's <laughs> favorite restaurant. Yeah. Really could rele- be, relevant actually, question, right? It could have been, but you know what? It, honestly, if you eat too many beets, you can have yeah, 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 yeah. poop. My so. sister, my sister, my parents took Natasha, my sister, to the ER when she was a baby. She scarfs down beets like a fucking maniac. It's I, I can't stand beets. It's gross. Yeah, neither can but I. she eats them like she eats them like I eat cereal. Right? She just like she doesn't even breathe. She just scarfs them down. She was a baby. She ate a bunch of beets, and then she took a super like like radioactively red shit afterwards and my parents were like oh my god our yes. daughter's like bowels are coming out of her google and they took it to the, the thing, they man. took it to the hospital yeah google wasn't a thing so if they had google they wouldn't know but they took it to the hospital and um and i guess that must have been embarrassing how old, the, how old was t- your sister i don't know she i mean she wasn't a baby like she, she must have been eating the beets on her own though yeah she was yeah yeah so i guess not a baby like maybe a maybe a i don't fucking know i can't age is not a thing for me uh, more than, she was more than a toddler. Okay. <laughs> she was probably walking. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. All right. Um, so anyway, so we basically, the movers came on May 18th. We packed up the house. <laughs> we moved in with my husband's parents who lived two hours north of Atlanta. And so the plan was just to move in with them until we were able to commute to Atlanta and find a house. And but then your husband's so. mom started doing his laundry and cooking meals and then this, he just got comfortable. This is great. <laughs> we did not intend to be there as long as we were in the end. I but bet. That's another story. <laughs> so when we left Raleigh... Brian currently lives with his mom. That should just be known. It's that great. should be a known it's fact. Great. Brian lives with his mother. Honestly, I probably would live with my mom for the rest of my life <laughs> if my husband would allow it. <laughs> my mom's leaving in a week and a half and I wish I wish she wasn't going. Because I love her. That's like the, yeah. the biggest reason. But also because she makes and your because bed. because she cooks for you. Yeah. <laughs> she buys pretty well, good groceries. She, put, she rubs Vaseline on your chest at night. Taylor, Taylor's going to be more disappointed than <laughs> me, vapor, to be honest. Vapor rub. No Taylor's going to miss my mom's cookies. He no raids her cupboard all the time. All right, guess who's raining it back in now, Jeremy. Here Rain we go. Okay. So, so it was a uh, six and a half hour drive from Raleigh to Franklin where my husband's parents lived. And I don't know if it was just sitting in the car for that long the stress of moving or what had happened, but we got there like just in time for dinner and we had dinner and after dinner I thought, holy man, I've got really bad cramps in my stomach, like really bad. Mm. And we're, we're sleeping in my husband's bedroom that he had when he was in high school. So it's like a small bedroom with a small bathroom adjacent to it. And so I went in the bathroom and my husband came in a few minutes later and I was like, look, like you're going to like, 
probably freak out when I get up off this toilet, but I'm going to warn you right now that something's going on. I might need to go to the ER. I think I have a GI bleed because it looked like the toilet looked like a crime scene. Oh, oh my God. So it was just so like blood, blood literally pouring out of you. Yes. There was so much blood. Oh. And did it hurt? Like, you know, it's were just you like sitting there like cramps. this hurt? Like, like when you get bad diarrhea, it felt like that. Just, but did your, but did your like, did your like butthole hurt? No, just cramps do in my you, stomach. Do you get numb? I don't and know. I, like, a, like, you know, when you, when you, get really bad cramps. You yeah. can have like a vasovagal reaction where your blood pressure drops and you feel like you're going to pass out. So I had all that going oh, on. Oh God. I, just, I felt like Jesus. pale. So, and So I want to, I want to kind of, I, it's, it's hard for the, the three of us are obviously all guys. So it's, it would be hard for us to relate to this, but I don't, I know that some women experience really bad menstrual cramps. Yeah. Have you ever had anything like that or was it a similar yes, feeling to that? Yes, but this was or? different. This was like, you can tell the you difference know. between menstrual yeah. cramps and bowel cramps. They yeah. feel different. And was there was there a part of you that that knew? Okay, this it like. Well, I guess obviously because like I've never I've had you know like food poisoning, and been like oh oh this hurts so much and I feel like this is probably food poisoning but. I've never had food poisoning and have like liters of blood coming out of my butt. It was it wasn't the cramps and the pain that was alarming to me. It was, it was the, the amount of blood. blood. Like, yeah, because that's thought super for sure. I crazy. must have a GI bleed. Right. And my father in law is actually a physician, so of okay. course, as soon as Alan saw what was going oh, on, yeah. he's like, oh, "I'm going to get we'll my dad. dad." Yeah. And so he came down and he did like orthostatic um, blood pressure on me because usually if you have a GI bleed, if you stand up, your blood pressure will drop, uh-huh. and it didn't. It, mine was stable. It was fine. And, um, you know, without getting into too much detail with him, I was like, I think something's going on. Yeah. He said, well, you're, you're stable right now. Your blood pressure is good. Your pulse is good. But you really, you probably need to get this checked. So I was like, you know what? We're moving to Atlanta anyways. It's two hours away. I'll just find a GI doctor in Atlanta and I'll oh, go down there. God. Oh my gosh. Okay. And so in this like two week interim between the time I saw all this blood and the time I went in to see the GI doctor. Of course, I'm on Google every single day. Yeah. And every single time yeah. you put in blood in the stool, colon cancer comes up. And I'm like, well, it's, it can't be that. Yeah. I just had a baby. I'm sure it's something related to that. Oh, God, you li- that a- like you literally... Was, well, my baby was like six months at this you time. You didn't... So you... There wasn't a part of you, of you that was like, oh, no, this could be it. You were just like, no, yeah. well, no. Well, that, was, totally that was the same thing that. that happened with, with Matt. Yeah. I mean, you know, he had something in his head. Couldn't he be. looked up something and, he, and it said, you know, you could have a brain tumor. And he just went, nah. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Because that's what we do. Because it's mean, so, it the worst is so not going to Because that is yes. the worst, yeah. right? Like so, that, you know. That's literally the worst thing that you could have from... Mm-hmm. from yeah. GI so what's our message on this podcast then? Is it that every time you Google it and it says you may have cancer, you probably do. You might. Well, so fucking do something about it. So look into it. No, 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 no. Okay, hold on, hold on. So look into it. No, 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 no. I don't. I'm with you. Just don't dismiss your symptoms. Totally. Just be aware of your body. And also, it doesn't mean you have to freak out. Yeah. Also, don't don't ever self-diagnose yourself. Don't ever self-diagnose yourself. And don't be a and don't be a what's it called a hypochondriac where they you know. Uh, you know, every time they feel like a cramp in their pinky toe, they're like, oh, oh, no. I have pinky uh, toe cancer. Pinky toe cancer. Yeah. So our last guest that we had in, he was living by the motto of ignorance is bliss. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if knowing that you kind of had a two-week period before you, or was it about two weeks, you said, until you're going to be able to see a GI doctor? 
Yeah, yeah, well, Would I mean, you, and, and you're there Googling things, was there anything you could do to get in to see anybody faster? Like, did it really matter that you were... I don't, I think that the delay for me was only because we were in this transitional period. Exactly. That I didn't have a house. I was living with my in-laws and we didn't actually, we weren't moved to our new city, so I wasn't technically living there. So mm. just deciding where, where should I go to the doctor and how quickly should I get this I, done? I guess my question is, is it, did it, so I get well... I'm going to almost answer it myself, really. But, well, sorry, learning guys, experience but for you, Brian. It's a learning experience. You can experience. do it. You can but do it. What I was wondering is, is were you worried at all during this point? I, I knew something was wrong. I did know something was yeah, wrong. Obviously but you're, honestly, you're I just, yeah. every time I saw colon cancer, I was like, well, it's not that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know it's not that. I, surely I would feel worse. Yeah. I would feel sick. And you'd, other yeah, than, you'd know. Yeah, yeah. And like I did have some other changes. Like I would have the most loud growling gurgling sounds in my stomach you could hear them from across the room yeah and all of a sudden for the first time in my whole entire life i was regular i was having bowel movements every morning and that was not like me and so and the blood that was in my stool wasn't like it didn't look like fresh red blood it was dark and it was mixed in yeah because like uh i'm pretty sure like when you're bleeding uh into your stool your your poop looks black it, yeah, it was very dark. Like, yeah. Had I had all this bright red blood, I, it, maybe it would have been more concerning. I don't know. But it just, it it didn't, I knew it was not right, but it, did, it wasn't to the point where I was like, oh my God, something's wrong with me. Yeah. So what? at what point is that the reaction? You know what I mean? Like what needs to come out of your ass for you to go, oh, fuck. <laughs> Something's wrong. <laughs> well, <laughs> like something the, is the immediately very first wrong. First episode yeah. of bleeding. I was like, mm. hmm. I, sure, I, was, I was positive I had a GI bleed. Yeah, sure. I thought that was it. So anyway, so I get this appointment with the GI doctor, <laughs> and I think it was like the first week of June, and I go in to see him, and I'm sitting there on the bed, and he comes in, and I said, he said, what's going on? I said, well, I'm having some blood in the stool, and he said, well, you know. Given your age, it's probably hemorrhoids or something like that. I said, well, I'm having a change in bowel pattern. I have hyperactive bowel sounds, and I have old blood mixed in with my stool. And he stopped, and he looked at me, and he's like, what do you do for a living? I said, well, I'm a nurse. And I think... Why did he ask? I think most people do not go into the doctor's office and say, I'm having a change in bowel pattern. Oh, my God. I was was going to point that out, too. I took that way way wrong. How did you take that, Jeremy? I thought he was like... I thought. Oh my! Are you in? Uh, are you in film? Uh, yes, that's what. That's exactly what I thought. I thought you were saying these th- these symptoms, and him going, "Wait a minute! I've seen, so- <laughs> I've seen someone come in here with this before, and they were into some freaky shit." That's what I. That's where. That's where I took. No, that. he was. He just was surprised God at the way it. that I had described the symptoms sure. and how serious yeah. I was about them. And I think if he it, wasn't an idiot, no, that, he yeah, wasn't. Okay, sure. But I do believe if it not for the way that I presented it to him and told him, he would he would not have done a colonoscopy. Yeah. He would have um, excused me and said, you know, just try Ooh. this hemorrhoid cream, or you know, we'll monitor it and you can come back. <laughs> but he said, you know. Chances are, given your age, it's probably nothing, but we'll go ahead and schedule a colonoscopy. So I had a colonoscopy scheduled for 10 days later. What is that? That is when they completely clean out your bowel 
and send a scope up your butt to have a look inside your intestines and your colon. So, so the is there like a like a like hardcore enema like pre enema deal going on there? There is a big gallon of <laughs> medication that they actually call Go Lightly, which is <laughs> very funny. Cause I was gonna say with, with, a, a, with a smiley face at the end. <laughs> Go, Go Lightly. Heavily. Go heavily. Go heavily. <laughs> yeah. So you have to have nothing but clear liquids for two days leading up to it. And then oh, wow. you do your prep the night before and you have to drink this enormous gallon of stuff. I think I had to drink, oh, like drink two it. ounces right. every 15 minutes. Oh. So go lightly, like you drink it? Mm-hmm. Oh, so they didn't, they didn't clean you out like a, like a, um, a colonic. It's they, basically like it's a colonic. a colonic through your mouth. Mm-hmm. You drink it and it, you're supposed to, to be able to shit clear liquid before you go in yeah. for your colonoscopy. Oh, fun. So you get a total clean out. Yeah. yeah. It must feel good, though. Well, you lose 10 pounds. And it does actually, I mean, it does feel good to get your insides all cleaned out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I bet. And I'll tell anybody that asks, when you go for a colonoscopy, the prep is the worst part. Once mm-hmm. you get that over with, you're good. Yeah. When does you it go feel in, good? Like the camera feels good? You cannot <laughs> feel it. You oh, you can't? Oh, you're out. Okay. You know, okay. Okay. I, I I say that I was completely out for every colonoscopy I've ever had. I have no memory of it. Um, Wait, really? Yeah. Some of my family that, members have had normal... them in Canada, and they just had um, more of a conscious sedation, and they were awake, but they were relaxed to the point that you know everything. Yeah. Wait, yeah, wait, my wait, 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 wait. My brother had wait, one wait, done. Wait. Yeah, I thought Why? he did. I thought no. he did because I had to be awake for a fucking crazy enema. Couldn't they have put me to sleep for that? Uh, they don't you, normally use. Well, I guess. I guess. I guess you have to hold it yeah. in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which you wouldn't be able to do. True. And I guess with a colonoscopy, <coughs> it like there's a lot more. It's a lot more invasive. Like there's a lot more movement, exactly. or, or like I don't know. I'm assuming. Well, you yes, know, like I they're mean, they're they they're the looking in, in there pretty right? far to yeah, check your colon. Pretty far up. Yeah, where's your colon where's is it? like four feet long. Okay. Oh, oh, oh man. So, yeah. Right. Okay. Jeremy's not even that tall. No. So I got the colonoscopy it's not fair. No one done. can see. <laughs> I can vouch for you. A bit taller than <laughs> thank that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so um, after the colonoscopy, I wake up on the gurney, you know, with just just like curtains separating me from everybody else. And here's the uh, one of the first embarrassing moments of having a colonoscopy is nice. The, they uh, we always want to hear the embarrassing moments. This is great. They pump some air into your colon. So oh. that they can pass the camera through and see what's going on. So it's what? like inflated. So what? Oh, so the air has got to come out. Oh, <laughs> and I'm it just feeling of that like wait, feeling in your stomach. Is it just? Oh, it doesn't come out right away. Like it doesn't come out when they pull the camera. Out? Well, I'm sure some of it does, but it has to. But there's a bunch more. Well, when you've got gas, it doesn't just. I'll leave at and once. And keep in mind, too, that you've been sedated, so yeah. everything slows down when you're sedated. So after oh, you wake up, you have to be able to start passing gas What's before the they let you go fart? home. What's the longest oh, fart you had? Yeah, what, if you were like to just, you had guess. I have no idea, but you, it sounds 45 like... 45 seconds. It sounds like... <laughs> Give us a ballpark. An interesting <laughs> musical interlude <laughs> in the curtains of a colonoscopy room. Oh, God. Just a bunch of weird. brass instruments. Everybody's doing the same thing. The whole brass section. Oh, really? The whole, are, are the you whole like, brass like, section of like, the hey check it out like are you like yelling to one another everyone's having a grand old party passing gas together <laughs> so it's yeah it's you have to kind of lay there and just were you just like to yourself. Were you, yeah were you just like i'm sorry <laughs> sounds like after a, everyone a bunch of oda tune trumpets just, <laughs> yeah. just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when i woke up and i'm 
joining in the orchestra that's going on around us. <laughs> the tuning, um, the tuning session. <laughs> the nurse is beside me um, with the computer and she's typing some stuff in. And was I she up. laughing? No, she was very, she's probably stoic. very straight faced and stoic. Oh, that and sucks. That was alarming to me because I looked at her oh, and no. I said, what did he find? And she didn't look at me. She did not make eye contact with me. And what? she said, he'll be in to talk to you in a minute. And I thought, this is bad. She won't, she won't even look at me. This was is bad. Was she a robot? She wasn't. I think she was probably a sweet girl, but oh. she just... You know what? Yeah, I would say she's very human because if she didn't want to look at you, there's probably a lot of, I don't know, emotions going on in her that made it difficult yeah, to yeah. bridge yeah, that gap but to, with you. But, but to, know, to know that someone is laying there having just gone through that experience and, and to know that that person is probably terrified to not even like offer up, uh, uh, like some eye contact. You know, the only thing I can figure is I'm a young woman. She was a young woman. Maybe mm. she related to me too much was, to be yeah, able to hard. look at me and too it was hard, hard for yeah. her because I am not the walking picture of colon cancer. Yeah. And yeah. it's easy you for know, me. I'm to, not a 65 year old man. Yeah. And it's easy for me to say it, that. Is that well, the typical? That's the typical colon cancer patient. Okay. It's older men. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I feel like, you know, you could throw it back to Matt's experience uh, yeah. of, of his friend walking in. I mean, but that's, that's way different because yeah. he that's knows a her, right? That's a relationship mm-hmm. with her, yeah. I just feel like, I feel like if you, I feel like if you're, if you're choosing to be in that profession, you know, you're working as a nurse or you're working as a doctor. I, I'm saying this as a patient. If you're a doctor or if you're a nurse or you're... A fucking like custodian in a hospital. Being in a hospital is a scary place. It's a scary place to be, and it's a hard place to be. And you don't feel good. And so, human connection, even though like you're, she didn't. She she didn't have to. Just been so afraid that if she talked to me or looked at me, she'd give it away. But she gave it away by not by not saying anything. Like, and if she had just looked at you and said. Um, you know, put her hand on your shoulder and just simply said, like, the doctor will be in and, and uh, he'll be able to talk to you. I, yeah. I actually don't know anything. Then, boom, then then you just go, well, okay, you don't know anything. That's fine. And at least you've had that connection with someone. I, I don't know. Just to play devil's advocate, though, imagine that you're that nurse and you're looking at this girl, this young woman, that, and you know what they have, but you're not allowed to say Imagine trying well, to bear like yeah, you, and you're you're asking you you're asking of, an actor, right? So yeah. I would fucking act. I'd put on a face, and and a face that's not lying, but I would say something along the lines of like the doctor would be in to, to talk to you, but at least like you know just just to give some sort of like again, I'm I'm gonna say it again, the human connection, just to have like that, just to be a buddy for someone who clearly is going through a whole bunch of shit in their head. You know, just eye contact, fucking human touch. And maybe she was just having a bad day. You know, I'm a nurse. I've been in situations where I've probably haven't given as much as I can. Maybe she was just having a bad day. Work is work is work, right? Yeah. yeah. If you were in that situation, Dan, what would, what would you do? Um, What would you like to think that you would do? I wouldn't be able to ignore someone. I know that I wouldn't be able to not turn my head and address them when I'm talking to them. I do not have a poker face, though, so, mm. you know, there are situations like that that are sometimes difficult for me because I do wear emotion on my sleeve, and I don't know. I, I, my I, experience, nurses are very empathetic people, and mm. if what if she just looked at you and felt so so strongly inside and so emotional that she just broke down and started crying because she knew that 
there was somebody was about to come in and tell you some awful news, you know, it, like it's, I agree well, that with would you. be, that would be uh, even worse. Oh, like, of that course, would be, yeah. that would be crazy. It, but maybe that's why she couldn't look at her. And, maybe, and that that's the thing. Right. Maybe. You, yeah. you know, like it's, but, but again, I agree, Jeremy, I agree yeah. with you. I think that you're right. And that it would be the best possible outcome of that situation would be that she walks over and, and, and shares a moment with her. And at least just, just makes that human connection. So, I agree. Clearly I, a hot topic. Yeah, <laughs> right. I can and, tell. And you know what? This probably won't be the last time we've re- no, this probably this not in 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 the whole spectrum. Probably not. Of, I, I, I I do feel like I have a bit of a I have a bit of a sensitive uh, button around bedside manner. Well, and that's what I was just going to say. Maybe I am just reading too much into it, but you know, I was just her not looking at me and not addressing me made me think that she knew something bad. Yeah. And maybe just at the time I was being paranoid. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause in retrospect, I mean, you don't know, maybe if this had turned out that you, <laughs> maybe there was nothing, no nurse. Maybe. And she, and she gave you the same reaction. Maybe there right. never was a nurse and you were just hallucinating. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe I may still have still been drugs. slightly yeah. drugged. Maybe yeah. was, I think I was alert by then. It was a, it was a nurse. <laughs> it, it was, it was a, it was a fart cloud in the shape yeah. of a nurse. <laughs> <laughs> there was so much gas being passed around that room. Yeah. Uh, so the anyways, then the doctor did pull the curtain aside and stepped in and he did not move past the curtain when he said, um, I'm sorry, but I have some bad news for you. You have a malignant tumor about, I think he said 16 centimeters in. I don't think I heard much more after malignant tumor. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm so the, 16 centimeters in as in like 16 centimeters from your rectum, anus yeah, or your anus in. in. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, uh, wow. I, I, and I knew what he said, but I still stopped in shock and said, I have cancer. And he said, yes, I'm afraid so. And by this uh. time he had come closer to the bedside and he was very polite and very, he had good bedside manner. And, yeah. and then he just started rambling off with all of these tests that were going to ensue within the next like 24 hours. And, yeah. and I all think of I heard that half probably, of it. Yeah, going over Cause it's basically like, he's like, I'm still okay, thinking r- I yeah. have cancer. Well, so. I can obviously, I can only imagine that that was very traumatic to it find is. that out. But what was the next kind of 24 hours like after that? So the first, very first thing that happened after that is I'm sitting there in the, in the waiting room and my husband has gone down to get the car and he has to call a nurse and tell him that he's there so they can wheel me down. And I was sitting there just bawling and this lady is sitting next to me and she looks at me and she's like, are you okay? And the only thing I could say is, no, I'm not. And I kept on crying, and I think that is the first um, example I got of people that just they don't know what else to say. So she just shut up and didn't say anything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's something that I that I find very fascinating to talk to people about is like when you when you tell people that you're sick or you tell people that you're dealing with something. What are the reactions that you get, and and like what's the what's the worst reaction you've gotten? What's the best reaction you've gotten? Um, and like like how do you not want people to react? Like when you when you found out, obviously you had to tell your family. Obviously you had to tell f- friends. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing a lot of I'm sorry's. Yes, and you know people don't know what to say. They don't know what to say. Yeah. Like yeah. the most the most poignant and responses I've gotten are the ones that have just said, man, that really sucks. Yeah. yeah. That's shitty. Yes, it really is. <laughs> and that's it. Cause that's mm-hmm. true. The truth, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, Oh fuck. People are so concerned with finding the right thing to say. 
There is no right you're, thing to say. Yeah, you're not going to say you anything. Don't right. get you're hung not, up on your gonna, words and trying to figure it, out something that's wrong. Gonna, like make this big impact. Is there a wrong thing to say? Um, you know what most people really want to say? They want to tell you about their like 70 year old aunt or uncle that had it, and they're still uh, alive and they're doing well right now, and everything's fabulous. Yeah, just, take, just is, to like, you know, give you an okay. example. Give you an example of like. Of like a success story. Exactly. To give you yeah. Once time, once upon a time, I read in a magazine about somebody who survived this. Yeah. See, I, I get totally that. I get that. You. That's like a, a natural, um, a sort of natural response to the situation. But that's not you. you know, like that's not your experience. That. Yeah. Like when I hear about people. Yeah. Exactly. And... Like when I hear about people who talk about other people with CF, I'm I'm like, dude, CF is such a such a vast, vast experience for from person to person to person. It, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't. Everybody's illness is different. Everybody's yeah. response to their illness is different. Yeah. Like, um, so you can't. And then that's the terrible thing too. I can't tell you how many doctors I saw that would tell me not to Google anything. Yeah. Don't yeah. be surfing the web because you find all these statistics and you're like, oh, I'm gonna die. And you I'm were gonna like, die. And you were like, but I Googled this shit before I came to see you and I knew I had that. Mm-hmm. I think about what I would, how I would, how I would react to in, in like a situation like that, especially after having done this show. I'd like to think that if I met somebody that was, you know, and they said, oh yeah, like I just got diagnosed with this. It's, you know, this is what I have. I'd like to think that I'd go, oh, like, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Like, like, when did you find out? And ask like, the kind of questions that I would ask in here, but I don't know if I would. And I, that's, I mean, I, that's a test that I've yet to come up against. I guess it would probably depend on how, how soon into that, that news they are. Right? Yeah. Cause and who that, and who, person, the, and who though, that person right? is, because yeah. the people we have in here are obviously people who are oh, willing to talk about it. Exactly. So and also I mean, this environment though, you know? too, like if we, if, if you and I, Dan ran, ran into each other on the street and I was like, oh, yeah, just talk, start talking about this stuff. It might not it might not have the same effect as, as it would knowing that you're coming to speak to yeah. us about this today, right? Right. Yeah. And when you're with a gathering of friends and everybody's having a good time, there's no better way to bring a downer onto the party than to start telling stories about colon having cancer. Exactly. It goes back. out of my bomb. It goes back to. to talk about uh, that at this dinner party. <laughs> and it was like, oh, oh God. God where you Do you ever make jokes? They're like, this dinner party's as shit as my colon cancer. <laughs> I don't think I've ever done that. No. I think <laughs> try. Yeah, yeah uh, try it. Keep that in your back pocket. See how that goes over. It goes. Uh, <laughs> it goes back to to why the why what our our conversations are about. Why it's so good for for both parties. Because if I'm somebody who's like who's healthy and says to somebody who is dealing with something to go to, to be like, Oh, like how, like, how are you, how are you dealing with it? Is it okay? Like, you know, how, how long is it to be probing like that? That's not a healthy conversation. If the person that I'm talking to is like, Oh God, why? Like, I'm not comfortable with having that conversation. And so it, it's like, it's gotta be, and this two, two you know, two if street. I'm the one that's being asked, sometimes I'll be like, well, you're having a good day. You're in a good mood today. Why well, am I going to bring you down? With all of this, yeah. like if I tell you everything that's going on and everything that I'm going through and how I feel some days, I'm just going to make your day shitty. <laughs> so. so, so you find out that it's a, 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 a tumor. Yes. They didn't remove it. Um, so. We go back to the hotel and we sat in the hotel room for like three hours across the desk from each other, just bawling, crying. 
the CT scan was going to be the next morning to see how far it had spread. And so we just really couldn't do anything until then. So I said, you know what, let's just, let's get out of here and go for dinner. And he's like, you really want to go out? I said, well, we can't Chipotle sit here. Chipotle it is. Chipotle. <laughs> we can't sit here and stare at each other and cry for the, the rest of the night. So yeah. let's just go out. So I, we went out for dinner after telling our parents, which is a very difficult oh, conversation. Yeah. And um, the next morning, my father-in-law actually drove down to Atlanta so that he could be there for the CT scan. And um, that was probably the scariest moment that I had was just waiting for the scan to come back and find out if it was dispersed through my body, is it still just in my colon, or what am I dealing with? And um, my doctor was on vacation, and so they were telling me that it couldn't be read until Monday. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Sorry, your doctor is in Cancun. <laughs> my father Having the time. Send it to him at the pool. So, yeah. No way. Somebody yeah. else needs to read this. We yeah. need to know what's going on. So after some phone calls and some probing, we did get the results back that it was contained to the colon. They did not see any further evidence of it having metastasized, which means spread to any of the surrounding organs or to my lungs. Which means that at that yeah, point, it's stage two. Means. Yes. That is just, or even, maybe even stage one. It's in okay. my colon. That's all they know. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just in my colon. <clears throat> and how and how difficult is it to remove a tumor from the colon, especially one that's about two inches? You have to cut out a section of the colon, and there are parameters. I think it has to be at least... I think it's eight centimeters, if I'm not mistaken, on each side of the colon. So at this point, uh, best case, what are you what are you thinking um, you're going to be able to walk away with? I right now I'm now I'm waiting for my scheduled visit with the rectal surgeon who has to verify placement and come up with a plan for the surgery. So my other big fear at this moment is that um, I'm going to end up with a colostomy and have a mm. bag of crap on my side for the rest of my life. Mm. And so I'm concerned about that at this point too. But there's, I mean, we know that it's only in my colon, so we're hoping that they can take it out. And, you know, from, from the point on where my husband heard that it's contained to the colon, we're going to have colon surgery and this will be done, that was his, okay, that's it. We know what we're dealing with. That's all we have to do. There'll be no more tears. You're going to get through this. It's going to be done. Mm-hmm. And so that's the way we went on. So I couldn't see the rectal surgeon on that Friday, so I was going to see him the following Tuesday. Um, my parents are still in Canada at the time, so my mom, of course, wants to like run to the airport at this point and jump on the nearest flight. And so I t- said to her, just, I'm going to see the rectal surgeon. Just wait until I find out what I'm dealing with. Then you come down after that. So I saw the rectal surgeon on the following Tuesday. Let me tell you, that was an experience. So they have to verify placement of your tumor so he knows where the incision has to be. And also, if your tumor is too far down into your rectum, uh, it's very difficult to remove. So they have to do uh, radiation to shrink it Mm. before they can do surgery to remove it. How far is too far? Um, Basically, anywhere past where mine was would have been too close to the rectum. So Uh, I lucked out by my placement. I did not need to have uh, radiation, nor did I need to have a colostomy, either temporary or permanent. It was in such a place that they would be able to just do the colon resection and take out that section. Sweet. So that's a bit of a win for you on that. So that was a win. But in order for him to figure that out, my husband and I go to this appointment at the rectal surgeon and... 
there's like a bed in the middle of the room, like a gurney in the middle of the room, and it's a bit of an unusual looking bed. At one end of it, um, there's a smaller um, kneeling area, kind of like a pew in a church. So oh my you God. <laughs> kneel down. No. You drop your drawers to your knees. You kneel down on this, this little kneeling area of the bed. Assuming and the your, position. Your Prayer. stomach and your chest is is flush with the bed. So basically your knees are down below you and you're laying over. I think Jeremy has one of those in his bedroom actually. (laughs) (laughs) Taylor you've used that before, eh? It gets better. Oh my god. Oh god. After you're in this position and they've got you your your drawers are around your knees, you're kneeling down on this little church pew thing. They handcuff you. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's just Jeremy's number. That's Jeremy's. No, sorry. <laughs> they bring the out the leather. The bench starts coming up. Oh, no. Oh, my God. So now you're like... Now in, you're inverted in, ass up. You're basically in like a child's pose with your legs more straight and your butt is up in the air. And so, and my husband is sitting at the end of the bed, so I'm like making eye contact with him while the doctor and the nurse are behind me and I'm like butt up in the air. Dude, I mean like torture contraption. You're talking about it right now and it's (laughs) fuck. The uh, thought of it is hilarious. In the moment, okay, in the moment, it is there the like a, even the slightest hint of a smile on your face? Like, no, I, I'm no. actually thinking this is the oh, most humiliating oh, thing no. I have ever experienced in my life, uh, and I've already gone through childbirth yeah. at this point. So any pride that I had left has completely flown out the window Flush by this down point. The toilet. Yeah. So oh. now one, they're Jay. going to do nice. a, um, I think it's called a rectoscope, but they put another camera or or lens in your buttocks. Awake, and, and you're awake now. Yes, yeah, I'm okay. wide awake. And look with look a monitor in front where, of your face, like no, you can it's see behind. Oh, okay. It's by them. They're oh, he's God, just I would have been like, like I got to see. It's a scope that looks in there so that he can see the tumor and where it is. Right. So the nurse is there and she hands him the scope and he I'm again on the bed with my butt in the air looking at my husband and he turns to the nurse and he says can you put some lubrication on this? And she says, I already put lubrication on it. He goes, put some more on oh it. Oh, my God. We need more lube. Yeah. Stat. Are you sure there's not a film crew that's like on, yeah. like, just standing Honestly, behind? Yeah. It could not be my any God. more humiliating. Oh, God. So, and then I get the good news that, yes, it's far enough in that I don't require radiation and I don't require a colostomy. We're going to schedule surgery. And the surgery was going to be for the following Tuesday, so one week after my appointment. Mm-hmm. So, my- Are vegans actually unhealthy? Does cannabis ruin your sleep? And why are so many men taking testosterone supplements? I'm Mitch. And I'm Greg. And we're the creators of the popular YouTube channel, ASAP Science. Every week on our podcast, Side Note by ASAP Science, we explain the science behind a controversial subject with recent research, up-to-date studies, and ridiculous stories so you are entertained while, bam, simultaneously learning. We're here to make science make sense. Download Side Note by ASAP Science wherever you get your podcasts. Parents flew in that weekend prior to my surgery was going to be on Tuesday. So how did you feel going through all that? Like, were you feeling physically okay? Um, 
by this point, you know, I had just had a baby and I was like hitting the gym really hard and everybody's like, oh, wow, you lost your baby weight really quickly. I'm like, yeah, I'm working out. And then I find out that I have colon cancer and that's why it, I lost weight it so was quickly. Cold, yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> I don't recommend that diet. <laughs> um, don't actively seek it. No. So I, I do remember that by the time my parents came to see me, um, I had, st- you know, I was kind of feeling bad by then. I wasn't feeling good. Yeah. Like, and I, maybe the stress, maybe it was just the stress. Oh, I can maybe. imagine. I don't yeah. know. I just wasn't feeling well. So I went in for surgery the following Tuesday. And the surgery, how did that go? How does that work? How do they remove a section of your colon? Do they cut open your belly? They either have what's called an open colectomy, which means they have to cut you basically from your breastbone to your belly button. Jesus, that's a big um, cut. Or Ooh. a little more maybe. Sure. Take it out that way. Or they can do a laparoscopic colectomy so that they just make several cuts in your abdomen and they stick instruments in there and it's kind of like the video game thing. They Whoa. see it on the monitor and they operate from yeah. in there. But And that's what I was supposed to have was the laparoscopic <laughs> colectomy. But when he made the first incision, which is just above my pubic bone, I was had lost so much weight by then. I was so small that when he made the first cut, my colon was right there. So they didn't have to make any more cuts. He could work He's just like, out of oh, this one inc- incision. Oh. So uh, he, wow, uh, sweet. So he, I guess um, they had taken out the the about a foot of my colon, and they had also removed. Oh I think it was forty four lymph nodes in the surrounding area, um, and they would all be tested to make sure that the cancer had just contained itself to the colon, hadn't moved on past um, the colon. So in the next several days, I had like lots of nausea and vomiting from all the pain medication and. Um, my next scary moment came when he came in and said, the, the rectal surgeon came in and sat down at the end of the bed and he said, there's a typo in your pathology report. And one section of it says that two lymph nodes are positive and one section says zero of 44 are positive. He said, oh my God, that's a huge I typo. I think Wait. that it's the two lymph nodes are positive, but I have to talk to... Um, the pathologist to get it straight before I can tell you for sure. Did you say that one said that zero were positive and the other said that two were positive? Yeah, on the same report in the first (laughs) sentence, it said two of 44 lymph nodes were positive. And then in the the conclusion, it said zero of 44. So he didn't know which one was. And this is a huge, yeah, this is the difference between chemotherapy and being done with this. Potentially stage one or stage two versus stage three. Three, right? Right. So, holy fuck. Um, Someone got fired. So, Dan, sorry, sorry to interrupt you, but what type of nursing do you specialize in? Um, I, I did a lot of general nursing in the beginning, um, med surge, orthopedic. So, how much of a, an understanding did you have about this stuff before well, going into it? Well, my previous eight years, I was a hospice nurse. So, I knew a lot of cancer patients, Ooh. but they were all dying for sure. I mean, right. they were all end of life. So, and being subjected I've never to that. been an oncological nurse, so I didn't, I wasn't really, I wasn't familiar with all the drugs, but my only contact you with knew cancer patients good. where they were dying. Yeah. 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 And did that kind of um, sway you to feel a certain way about I was paranoid or? when she, yes, because I thought this is, it's already spread on McGonner. I'm done for. It's, it's in my lymph nodes. It's going to spread through my body. It's going to kill me. And then she told me that the chemo was going to be six months. And I thought, six months of my life I'm going to have to be on chemo like I was devastated by that I thought I have a 
baby. I'm going to miss the first year of his life were with doing, all of this. So were you doing uh, oral chemo or were you doing like in, um, IVs. Intravenous, yeah. intravenous? So uh, then after that, I got my port placed. I had a port cath placed in my chest um, in preparation for chemo. Um, it's basically just a, a line that's in your chest that goes straight into your arteries, through your heart. Is that someday I'm going to have to get one of those? I'm not really what? looking forward to it. I hear it's pretty... Is that for the? Uh, it takes a long time is that for the, to. Yeah. Is it for the intravenous or what's? It's it? for yeah the IV chemo. I've had a pick line like mm-hmm. when I was admitted, um, which is kind of the same idea. Except pick it's line your is in arm. your arm and it does go straight into yeah. a main artery. The portacath. Well, portacaths can be in multiple places, but mine was in my right chest. Yeah. And it just kind of feels like a big button. Yeah, I don't, underneath your. Not, what, yeah. do you, what do you need it for? I one day I'll need it for antibiotics. It's I mean it's just like it's a it's a it's a guaranteed thing like yeah i'm just gonna have to have it like my lungs are gonna get to a point where that's something that i'm gonna have to live with where you need like more consistent antibiotics on yeah exactly and after like intravenous, years and years specifically of intravenous antibiotics peripheral iv lines for medications they just it really does a lot of damage to your veins yeah like my veins and my right arm are fucked oh really yeah they're like they're like all big and <laughs> it's yeah, it's a lot yeah, of scar it, tissue. Yeah, yeah, a lot of scar tissue there. Yeah. So like when I went into the hospital last time I was admitted, which was a year ago, I had a pick line put in for the first time and oh man. I get super like oh, you know, people get like have like things that make them queasy. You're not, a, you're not a needle guy. I'm not a needle guy to start with. And secondly, anything to do with my veins really like fucks with me. So like I can take a needle, I can take a shot That's to so my shoulder weird. or I can get a tattoo, I can get a piercing anywhere, like that none of that stuff weirds me out. Anything to do with needles in my veins freaks me the fuck out. Like, I, I'll straight up, I'm a crazy person. When someone's like, ah, we got to put a needle in your arm, like, I'll start bawling my eyes out and screaming and swearing. It's like when I fart around I'm you. not kidding. I, yeah. don't, I don't like, I, I agree I with the freak vein out. thing. I, I freak out. I can totally relate on the vein thing. So the pick line was great. Crying, though? Yeah. But, oh, dude, <laughs> shut the fuck you. <laughs> yes, man. Yeah, it's my fear, all right? <laughs> but anyway, yeah, a pick line, um... Pickline was like kind of my, my sort of like dipping my toes into what it's going to be like, I guess, to have a port. port. And, and honestly, to this point, needles don't bother me at I all. I can imagine. Needles don't bother me. After, after that table thing, I'm <laughs> yes. sure. The needles sure are nothing, nothing compared to that. Yeah, I'm sure nothing compares to <laughs> Were that. Were you afraid of needles before? No. Well, I you, guess I'm a nurse. Being a I've nurse, given them yeah, all the time, so probably. I guess you can't. Yeah. You shouldn't give if you can't receive. Yeah. So where so where, where are we now on the timeline? So How about now, this is a good this is a good uh let's pause for a sec. I literally am going to piss my pants. Okay, press pause. I, yeah, let's pause. You okay. all back into the zone. So where did we leave off? So prior to the, the week prior to, I had to go in for chemo teaching, where you just go in and you sit down and they go over with you um, what chemo is going to look like for you, um, you know what the side effects are going to be, what some common reactions you have. Um, and at this point, I'm obsessed over losing my hair. I'm like yeah. so afraid that all my hair is going to fall out. But it, I thought that was through radiation that that happened. It happens through chemo, chemo. as well. Oh, okay. So when we go in and we talk to the nurse, 
I, I like I'm, I'm hearing half of what she says because I just want to know is my hair going to fall out? I'm going to lose all my hair. <laughs> I'm sorry, thank you. <laughs> but ma'am, can is it, my hair going to fall out? How about my hair? She's like, I will get there. I'm just going to say what everyone's thinking. Yeah. <laughs> is my hair going to fall out? So is this a one-on-one session or this? My husband and I session? are just sitting in, you know, with it's a classroom course. setting. There's and like 15 <laughs> people that. That's what I no, actually it's, thought. It's private. <laughs> I, I was I did, picturing I thought, both. Really, I so. was. Yeah. That, to and me, my, that seems crazy. That my husband tells his story all the time because he just thinks it's hilarious that we're going. We go in there and we're talking to the nurse, and I'm like, "All I want to know is my hair going to fall out." And she's like, "You know what? Not everybody loses all of their hair. It might just like, just be like really. It patchy. might just get really yeah. thin, kind of like mine. And I guess at that point, <laughs> I oh, heard crying, and my husband." <laughs> And you're like, uh, and you're like, is it offensive if I scream right now? Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Oh my I've god, never, like yours? I've never told you guys this really embarrassing story about myself. I, uh, when I was living away, I, I wanted to shave my head, and I had probably three or four inches of hair at the time, and I really just wanted to get my hair off my head. I don't know what my motivation was, but I didn't have a razor. And I was living in a house. You so you plucked way, it. No, get this. I was living in a house. <laughs> that's way worse. Oh, no, I was what? Living no. In a, I was living in a house with uh, two older female roommates, and I was in the bathroom. You waxed it? There was a bottle of Nair. Oh, my <laughs> fucking God. I Dude, poured I- that shit on my head like shampoo. Oh, my God, Brian. I didn't realize how it removed your hair. It, like, I, I, burns the hair follicles, doesn't it? It does, yeah, it totally oh does. Oh, my. I had a matted <laughs> mess of burnt, like, kind of half-liquid hair stuck to my scalp. <laughs> Ew, gross. It was disgusting. I don't know. I looked like Why don't I, was I know about fire. that? So anybody, anybody going through chemo and their hair gets patchy, you didn't look don't as as use the nair to take care of the rest. Yeah. I looked awful. So hearing your <laughs> awful, hideous. stupid nair story, yeah. I'm super curious. Did your hair fall out at all? I did not look that bad, no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there would be no chance for you to look yeah. that bad. I lost about half of it. But I had and so was it like, could you tell? Like, You have really thick hair. I, you could, do have, I a lot have really of hair. thick hair. You have a lot of hair. I could tell, but people who didn't know me, they didn't know. They wouldn't be able to yeah. know. Yeah. And I, well, I remember good. being at chemo one day, and one of the guys that I knew that was in chemo too, he was taking the same concoction as myself. He came over, and we were talking, and he turned around to get a blanket, and I could see all these like round, bald patches mm. on the back of his head, and I thought, well, that's probably what mine looks like, but it's just long, and it that's covers long, it yeah. up. It just covers yeah. it up. So, so I finished the chemo teaching, and they went to show, give me a tour of the place where I would be receiving chemo, and we walked through the doors, and the lady that's sitting in the chair looks like she's got two feet in the grave already, and I'm like, oh my god, I'm going to die in this room. This is it. This is what, was the, what was the general age um, difference of the people that you were doing chemo with, like in your sessions? Um, the place that I went for chemo was actually fairly quiet. Um, and I, there wasn't always a lot of people there, um, but they were all over the spectrum. Yeah. There were people younger than me. There were people a lot older than myself. And was there many people around your age? Um, there was one guy there who had also seen the same surgeon that I did, and he was around my age. And he was, um, I, I think he was seeing the same oncologist as well. But the day that I went in to see the surgeon, 
the rectal surgeon, the day of the table, he um, he came in. <laughs> Which will forever said, be known yeah. as the day of the table. <laughs> From this day forward. I said, you know, everyone thinks that, that colon cancer is an old man's disease. And, you know, usually the people that they see with colon cancer are older male patients. And he said, I don't know what's going on, but this week we have diagnosed five young people with colon cancer and you are the oldest. Wow. And, you know, and I'm now I subscribe to this email from the Colon Cancer Alliance and they sent out a study a few weeks ago that was just highlighting the issue that colon cancer is happening more and more often with young people. And usually when young people get diagnosed, they're of more advanced stages because either they they don't have symptoms or they present with symptoms and doctors are too easy to brush it off because of their age and the fact that colon cancer is usually something that happens with older people, not with young people. I was wondering what the, what an email from the colon cancer society would look like. I picture like a, like a lion's club, uh, or like, like a veterans affairs kind of email. No, it's they're trying to make it a little more modern just because there's been so many people with colon cancer that are younger, but it's, it's like kind of like a newsletter that talks about the latest discoveries and research they, they spice it up they cancer. spice it up with the odd fucking shit in there <laughs> someone, with, possible. someone with skinny jeans yeah i'm picturing old english text and like it's called like the colon cancer gazette or they something have like a, they have a run um that i have been doing every year called the undie run oh, so nice. you do the run in sponsored your undies, by me undies. in your undies <laughs> Not really. We have to take that out, I think, until they actually sponsor us. I don't think so. Yeah, we can leave it in. So, um, anyway, so I started chemotherapy on the 3rd of August. At this point, I'm still living in my in-law's basement in my husband's high school bedroom, and we're commuting the two hours to Atlanta for my chemotherapy. So I go in on Fridays. Um, they access my port, hook me up to, uh, and, you know, chemo's a the scariest thing about chemo is the nurse comes over to hook you up and she's like heavily gowned and gloved and masked. They're wearing a lead suit. Yes. And they're about to pump all of this <laughs> into your veins. You lost me at the connect through the port. The port of calf that yeah. has been put in my chest. They I was picturing they, like not, Tron. Yeah, not the like one a, that sends you into the matrix. Right. There's there's a, a like about a half inch needle. Um, with a, like a little butterfly tab on it, and that's what they use to access your port. So they stick this half-inch needle in through the, the area, like the, the very center of the port is like spongy, and they stick the needle through there and tape it down, and so then you have a direct line to the flux then, vortex. Right. <laughs> and then <laughs> so in goes the poison. Send the toxins in. Yeah. So I would go to chemo on Fridays. I would probably be there for about five or six hours, and then they'd hook up a pump, and I would go home and receive chemo for the next, I don't know, I think it was like 36 hours. So I'd have the pump connected to me for the oh. entire weekend. How long would you be at the clinic? Um, I was at the clinic about five or six hours. Yeah. Um, and is it, uh, and is it, I'm, this is like total, totally drawing from that movie, 50 50. Um, have you seen that movie? I haven't. Seth Rogen. Yeah. I wonder oh, what it would be like. I wonder what it would be like to watch it as someone who's gone through that. Yeah. Well, he like when he when they when he goes and gets chemo, you know, he's sitting around. They've got a bunch of lazy boys, and he's bonding with uh, you know all the guys that are around him that are also going through chemo. And is it? It's very much like that. And I actually I ha- I had to go to two different uh, one 
chemotherapy session actually landed uh, on the weekend of Thanksgiving. And so my clinic was closed. And so I went to the hospital clinic and the hospital clinic was a lot busier than my clinic. Um, so a lot more people there. And you do see a lot people. rowdier. People oh, yeah. just on the chairs like, Woo! <laughs> you can definitely see the people that Loving have been the there together for a while yeah. and they're like yeah. just chit chatting. But I normally, I would go in, I take my iPad with me. I'm either listening to music or I'm just trying to get work done. I planned my, so what does it feel my son's like? one year birthday party from a chemotherapy chair. Right. What, um, is, what does chemotherapy feel like? There are lots of different side effects and feelings from all sorts of different chemotherapies. So I can only speak to what I've received. We've only got 15 minutes left. And you just said something that I I really think we should take it back to, which was you said, can you say that again? You, you, you celebrated your son's first birthday on a chemo chair. I planned my son's first birthday party from the chemo chair. Oh God. Mm -hmm. And like in doing that, like that's such a, that's such a, like monumental, like that's such a huge mo- milestone for, as a as a mom, you know, mm-hmm. to 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 celebrate your your child's first year of being alive. It, did that did that like bring a, about any sort of um, feelings of of like? You know, did, were you thinking about your mortality at that point? Were you thinking I, like, yes. is this the only birthday I'm going to see? Or uh, it? Yes, I. I... I think I I remained fairly positive through it, but I a lot of times I look back and then people ask me, what did cancer take from you? Well, sometimes I'll say, well, it took a lot of my child's first year of life because, yeah. you know, just kind of fast forwarding to what chemo was all about. <laughs> when I was in the, you know, I'd go on Friday and I'd come home with the pump. So I basically went for chemo every other Friday. I came home and I slept the entire weekend and I did not get out of my bed until Tuesdays. And that was it. Um, mm. So I would lose an entire weekend. My mom came from Canada and moved in with us. And she stayed with us for six months because my husband had a new job. He was trying to do his new position and establish himself in a new company. And we had a, you know, seven month old at the time. Mm. Um, you know, someone had to take care of our child. So my mom came to live with us and my mother-in-law, who was two hours away, she would travel um, in every weekend that I had chemotherapy and she would help my mom to take care of Grayson while I was in chemo. Yeah, and some people aren't that lucky you no, know, to have that, that amazing support system and my, behind my mother and my mother-in-law were amazing. Yeah. Like, you know, when I started chemo, I was still living with my in-laws, and basically we had kind of put off trying to find a house until chemo started so I could see how bad it was going to be. And after the first session, I was like, I've got to have my own house. We've got to have our own space. So we drove into Atlanta because I had, think I had myself so prepared for the worst that I, it wasn't as bad as I had prepared myself for. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. It did get a little worse, and then some sessions were better, but I just I had myself just worried that it would be so bad, and then it kind of wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. So we did go in and, and buy a house. A trap house? Um, well, we <laughs> went in and we threw offers in on every house that we looked at. Every trap stuck. house we could find. <laughs> That's what we went with. For anyone um, who doesn't know what a trap house is, I want to. I want to Atlanta rap scene. I want to continue with the relationship thing, and and one of the questions I want to ask is is do you feel like after going through this entire experience as a family that it brought you all closer together? Definitely. Definitely. I know that my, my parents and my in-laws probably would never get to know each other and be as close as they are now had it not been for this experience. And my poor husband, like 
God knows it, when you get married, you sign on for richer, for poorer, for sickness and health. And he got a lot of the sickness part. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he, he was trying to, to do a new job and have to deal with this. And like I said, every other weekend I was in the bed and, and that was it. I would unhook myself from the chemo on Sundays. I'd have to give my shot of Nulasta to keep my immune system healthy. Then I would have to pump in three bags of fluids over the next three days so I was, and I, I say all the time, thank goodness I came from a medical background and I was a nurse because I could do all this for myself. Like it had to be so overwhelming for people that didn't come from Something that background. Something so foreign. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I, you know, after I would get chemo on Friday, I really didn't get up and move out of the bed until Tuesday. So after all of the, after all of those, uh, those, those chemo sessions, uh, you know, you finish up with that. Where are you on the timeline at this point? Like, um, Well, I started chemo in August of 2012, and my very last session was January 4th of 2013. And at that last session, was that, uh, after that, was that when, like, did things start to clear up? Um, I guess, I guess know, everyone who's listening right now is probably like, how is she? Like, <laughs> where, where is she at yeah. now? What is going on? You know, I, and I just wanted to highlight this because it was something that I didn't know going into it. But I kept looking at this date of January 4th saying, this is my last chemo session. I'm going to be done with this. And like, free. Yeah, I had free. like, I would swing from massive bouts of diarrhea to constipation back and forth and back and forth the whole six months of chemo. I dropped <laughs> so much weight. I'm not a big person, but I went down to 89 pounds. You could count. Wow. The, Holy my, yeah, I could count the bones in my spine. It was awful. And so I kept on saying to myself, January 4th, this is all going to be done and life's going to go back to normal. Everything's going to be wonderful. Well, January 4th came. Two weeks later, my mom had to go home. All of a sudden, I got sick when my child was sitting still on the floor. Now, all of a sudden, he's a toddler who's running around and my mom is gone and I'm expecting to be happy because chemo's over and I'm not. I'm so depressed and it's taken a long time to move out of this and to carry on with life. And I think it's just people say all the time when you're in chemo, there's nurses, there's doctors, there's family, there's neighbors, there's friends. Everybody is around you all the time. And all of a sudden you finish and all of that is gone and you're on your own and you're yeah, by yourself. Like a support system has just dissipated. It feels like it just drops off the face of the planet. Like I feel like everybody would come and see me all the time. And then as soon as I was finished chemo, nobody came anymore. Mm. And we were in a new city. Um, I hadn't made very many friends because I always had a pump stuck on my side or I was laying in the bed. And as much as I tried to get out and socialize, like it's just, a, it's hard, it's hard to make friends in that situation. Yeah. And all of a sudden, everybody's it's hard gone. to make. It's hard to make friends when you're healthy. Yeah, right. yeah fuck. Yeah. I can't imagine yeah. how hard it is to make friends when you're um, going through something like that. So you, uh, so, so you know, given the time we have right. left, what you, you go through the chemo, it ends, and then this is 2013, and now you know yeah. this. So is So then almost, I look at um, every two every, for two years, every three months, I have CT scans. Yeah. So I went through my CT scans for two years, and they have all come back clean. Everything has been good. Um, then my, my husband started his MBA and we still have eggs in a freezer and we're like, what what are we going to do with these eggs? We have to make a decision. I'm now approaching 40 years old. I don't know if I want to be implanted. So, you know, I've kind of resigned myself to think that it's going to be the three of us. So we make an appointment with a fertility doctor to go in and talk to him about these eggs. Are we going to discard them? What are we going to do with them? Two weeks before the fertility appointment, I found out I was pregnant. 
Sweet. So, <laughs> so that didn't happen through the through the eggs. That, it that was, was 100% natural. Oh, so when we yeah, did awesome. go in to see the fertility doctor, he's like, look, I'm the best doctor in the world. I didn't have to do anything. And Sweet. I'm like, that's great. Can I have my $15,000 back, please? <laughs> yeah, they're like, uh, actually, uh, no. <laughs> you didn't read the fine um, print. <laughs> so, you know, we kind of kept the pregnancy under wraps for a little while because he did tell me that if he told me I would not conceive. And if I did, that it would probably end in spontaneous abortion because there was Ooh. so much damage to the, to the DNA of my eggs. But I now have a beautiful, beautiful baby boy. He's uh, three months old. Um, three months. Congrats. Yeah. So the... The story ends, you know, on a fairly happy note. Um, when I found out that I was pregnant, I was due for one more CT scan. Um, but obviously, once I was pregnant, they couldn't do the CT scan. Um, so she said, well, you it, know, everything's been clear. Why is that? Um, is there radiation? Yeah, the radiation. Yeah, okay. You can't have a CT scan when you're pregnant. Your baby you get, will pop out with a third eye and a unicorn horn. Right. <laughs> and you get Coming like, through the third eye. Oh my God. Arguably okay. Contrast yeah. through your eye. Horn anyway. Through your arguably. veins and stuff. So you just you can't have yeah, a CT uh, scan when you're okay. pregnant. So she said, you know, everything's been good. Uh, yeah, I feel good about this. Um, you know, obviously after <laughs> you have the baby, we really need to go ahead and scan you again. So um, Brooks is my second son. He was born on July the 1st. And um, he's healthy. He's wonderful. He's happy. He's beautiful. And everything's good. And um, so I went back in for my follow-up CT scan in um, the end of July, I guess it was. And like every other scan that I've gone in for up to this point, there's a little bit of anxiety that goes in every time you yeah, see them. But of you, you, can't, you can't let that dictate your life. You've got to move on past it. You, you have to like yeah. You know, you have to live a happy life. And so when I went in for the results, um, just, you know, this is probably not the news you want to hear, but you have two spots on your lungs um, that were not there before. Uh, they're very small. We can't biopsy them. We can't do a PET scan oh. on them. Um, because the only, of the size. They're just too small. There are two small spots on, on my lungs um, that they can't do anything about right now, but follow them. So she said, you know, uh, aggressively... The, the best I can do is to do another CT scan in eight to 10 weeks. And we just have to go from there and see. They just have changes. to basically watch them? Yes. See if there's any movement, any growth. And then it, if they grow to the point where they can do a biopsy, that's where they check it out. Mm -hmm. So the biopsy being when they tell you if it's malignant or if it's. Right. So, so when you have you're a. Due. You're due for uh, um, another scan. I, return to the states on the 13th of october and i have a scan on the 14th okay and so after that they'll and my gut tells me that i i feel fine i'm very healthy i work out i don't have shortness of breath i'm not coughing you know i feel yeah. good so i feel Lucky. like it's scarred <laughs> sorry to rub that in <laughs> <laughs> i wish i knew what that was like so I, you know, I'm, I just, I'm trying to remain positive. You know, yeah. I remember listening to one of the first podcasts and you were talking about how you try to remain positive all the time and you just like spread the joy and spread the sunshine. And, you know, I was listening to that and I said to mom, you know, I, I need to ask Jeremy sometime, is there ever a day, is there ever a day when you can't just be joyous and thankful for the time you have when you sit back and you think, God. Why did this have to happen to me? Why oh, yeah. I did mean, this happen to me? Yeah, totally. I mean, like, that's the thing is, is like life is just a series of ups and downs, right? Like there's highs and there's lows and there's highs and there's lows and there's highs and there's lows. But it, it's for me, it's, it's like, yeah, I accept that there are days that I wake up and those days, some days suck. 
but not allowing myself to get sucked into that darkness and get sucked into because mm-hmm. it's so easy to it's so easy to to like get caught up in the negativity almost as if it like it like it's addictive you know like when something is so shitty you you almost get comfortable in that in that negativity yeah and so to challenge yourself to try to bring yourself out of it is is always worth it because obviously because it's way better to be happy and way better to be positive than it is to be negative so you know it, just because i have that that sort of general positive outlook on things doesn't mean that i don't go through hard times i just i just try my my darndest to pull myself out of it when i when i do go into those those spaces you know yeah, you have and to have that. and it's not just me like it's not just my ability to do that i rely on i rely on my friends and i rely on my 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 loved ones to help me get there even if they don't even know mm-hmm. you know what i mean even if they don't even know that right. i'm that that i'm that using i'm using day. them yeah exactly you know and like I just think that's just where... spending time with people and allowing them to bring you joy and allowing that joy in instead of Instead of shunning it away and and choosing to stick with the negative. And I think that's where I am right now. And, you know, I I have the days where I sit back and I think, oh, my God, I might never see my children go to school. And then I stop and I was like, I have a one, I have a three month old baby now. Yeah. I cannot let the negative feelings. Yeah. Come in and take away from the joy that I need to be spending on this And you don't know. You don't know. No. You know what I mean? Like as, as soon as you say that to yourself, oh, I might not see that. Well, of course you might not. Nobody, but nobody may. might. Yeah, exactly. The entire Earth might. They, right. they, the whole Earth might explode tomorrow. Right. We don't know. So you know, yeah. Like I think it's healthy to. I, I think it's healthy to get sad and get bummed out about your situation. That's just being real. But also be real about about knowing that everything is unknown. No, you, no one knows anything, and so don't don't get caught up in it. I don't know. Like this is some like faux therapy therapy shit. Like faux like head doctor shit, but that's just, it's how I, that's how I view it. That's my experience. And that's, you know, and I try to just, you know, if I, if I do have a limited number of days on this earth, I want to spend them being happy and yeah. laughing, not thinking about, oh my God, not, not why sitting, did this happen yeah, to sitting me? in a dark feel corner. feel so sorry for just, myself. Exactly. But everybody has a limited number of days. Exactly. We all do. We're all dying from the disease yeah. of old age. Yeah. We yeah. get people, we get people in here and, and, and generally it's almost like this, this, this podcast is a, is a pretty, it's a, I find it's a good representation of how you should, of how, of, of like a, of like a really good attitude to have about illness because we come in here and for the most part, it's like a pretty, even though we're talking about some serious shit, it's a pretty positive arc over the, over the mm. whole episode, but there's times where we talk about this stuff and there's times where we get real and there's, you know, there's that, that you have to, you have to go into those lows. You have to. Um, Last story that I'll share with you about chemo. You know, I said I swung rapidly from constipation to diarrhea through the whole entire thing. And God bless my husband. He's a wonderfully supportive man. One night we were laying in bed and about three o'clock in the morning, I jumped out of bed and I was like, get up, get up, get up. And my husband woke up and he's like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And he's like, are you sick? Are you okay? And I was like, I'm okay. I just shit the bed. Uh, (laughs) Oh no, oh no. You know what? (laughs) 
that happened to me yesterday in the in the, in the not too in the not too distant uh, past. Oh, I was uh, traveling in Brazil and. Uh, me and uh, uh, my uh, girlfriend both had really bad stomach illness. And both we, shitting the bed at the same time. Not at the same time, but in the same like span of 48 hours, we uh, both did. So, oh, well, oh, man. Right there I, with you. I, I, uh, Some people like that, though. Some people find that a turn that, to be attractive. That, that's okay. Could, we're not, could, and we're not even going to go there. Not there. <laughs> not even going to go there. <laughs> not, you, not you guys, but you could definitely find someone. <laughs> you sure know what? There's light in every situation, like we were just trying to say. Um, before, before we draw this to a close, there's one thing that we brush past um, that I, I, I really want to ask about, and it's it's just the point when you were talking about the post chemo depression, we didn't touch on how you overcame that. And, and I'm really, because I think that it's valuable for other people to know, was there, was there something that you did or was this something that stayed with you for a long time or were you able to overcome it? Um, I actually, I ended up seeing my uh, general (laughs) practitioner about it and they did put me on some antidepressants, uh, for a little while. I also came home again to spend some more time at home and be supported by my family. And it, it was just time. It was time to get all of the toxins from chemo out of my system to get over the fact that I was constantly surrounded by all of these people. And now it was time to return to life as it was yeah, and just move on from it. And, and that just took a little bit of time and, and a little bit of medicinal help. And after that, I, I was fine. And um, like I said, I, after my body threatened to fail me, I took health and fitness very seriously. And I, um, you know, when I started back working out after chemo, I was like 90 pounds and I put on a lot of muscle and, um, a lot of endurance and, and just try to live life healthy and fit and concentrate on being healthy and happy and, and loving my family and my friends. Oh, sweet. Well, Jeremy, how are you doing now? Uh, I'm you good. good? Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm I'm waiting. You look great. Of course, I feel you look great. great. Yeah. Yeah. I feel good. You look fit. Thank you. you I feel good. I feel strong. I'm. Yeah. You know, I, I was telling you that I run the colon cancer race. Yeah. Um, I've you run it three it? years just, in a row. Just, just crush it. Into the first year I was in chemo, so I didn't do very well. But the last two years, I was um, second place female survivor. Fuck and this yeah. poor little girl that keeps beating me. <laughs> Unless she gets a rebound of cancer, she's going to keep on beating me every year because I can't touch her time. Wow. Oh, man, I'm imagining just yeah. like a, like a group yeah. of you and like people like chatting and then she just like she walks through the gates and you're like, oh, Lucy's <laughs> here again. And she's and she's looking healthy. She's God looking damn fit. it. She's looking fit. And as I said, you know, colon cancer is the old man's disease. So it's not hard to no. beat most of the right. participants. Yeah, there. Right. Yeah. It's like a bunch of uh, of like shiny, uh, shiny splash pants and like, uh, 80s, like 80s run track suits. Uh, well, I think that's a I think that's a, a great place to wrap up. Um, Dan, thank you so much for coming in. This thank was, you for uh, having yeah, me. This was super I fun. really appreciate yeah. being here and being and asked to come on. Follow up with us. Let us know how your scan goes. Yeah. And, you know, we want to we want to know how you're doing. So I will. Um, that is it for today. Uh, thank you so much for listening in. Uh, and as always, if you dug it, um, please, 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 please go on to the iTunes store. Look up Sick Boy Podcast. Subscribe rate and review those things are so important because it just helps us get our message out it helps uh it helps the general population hear about us and uh we would really love your support uh follow us on twitter at sick boy podcast 
And uh, check out our website, sickboypodcast.com. And if you want to be a guest on the show, send us an email. Shout out. Uh, Take it away. I'm Brian. I'm Taylor. And I'm Jeremy. And this is Sick Boy. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.